Hello and welcome to the Do One Better podcast in philanthropy, sustainability, and social entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Alberto Ligi from London. Please subscribe to this show and please share widely with others. It makes a huge difference indeed. Before we kick things off, as always, a big heartfelt thanks to our sponsors, Quilt AI. Quilt AI is a mission-first technology company seeking to increase empathy in the world. Using the internet as a source of knowledge, inspiration, and communication, Quilt AI works on issues including climate change, gender equity, and health across the world. Headquartered in Singapore, but with teams in New York, Zurich, London, Delhi, Quilt AI believes that the true value of the internet has yet to be seen. Yes, the internet has been used to index data, store photos, and conduct e-commerce, but it truly has not yet been used to understand the other. And this is the mission that Quilt AI is on, that of converting the internet into a space of understanding and appreciation. So a big heartfelt thanks. Today, it's an absolute pleasure to welcome onto the show Cherie Blair of the Cherie Blair Foundation for Women and the Foundation CEO, Helen McKittern. And we're going to be talking about the wonderful work they're doing in closing the gender gap in entrepreneurship. They operate in low and middle income countries, have been around since 2008, and have thus far supported more than 175,000 women. Now the foundation supports women and helps them to start and grow successful micro, small, and medium-sized businesses with training, technology, mentoring, and networking at the very heart of their work. We're going to be talking quite a bit about mentorship and the wonderful work they're doing on that front and how they are connecting mentors and mentees, not just within specific countries, but also across national borders and indeed across continents as well. So I'm really excited to have this chat with both of you to learn from you and to hear about your wonderful work. So without further ado, a big heartfelt welcome onto the Do One Better podcast today. Delighted to be here and, and to talk about our work. Excellent. I guess we could start by uh, finding out a little bit about the foundation. What What is the foundation doing? What's it all about? How did it come about? Well, maybe if I, I talk first about how it came up about. Um, it came about really with the two reasons. One is partly to do with me and my life story, because I was brought up by two very strong women, my mum and my grandma, and my father abandoned us. My mother, who had left school at 14 because her own mother uh, had died, you know, had to pull herself up by her bootstraps because she had no education to go out and work and support myself and my sister. And so I learned very early on that women's financial independence is really important. Uh, and then, of course, in my own life, uh, I became a financially independent woman and uh, ended up living in 10 Downing Street. And when I was living in 10 Downing Street, I was lucky enough to travel the world either with or without my husband. And I got to meet many great women across the world, some of whom um, were experiencing the sort of uh, society and situation that my mother had experienced in her time. And others were perhaps more like the sort of society and experience that I'd experienced in the 70s when I'd started as a lawyer, when it was still very rare for women to be uh, actively in the, in the workforce, certainly in the sort of jobs that I was doing. Uh, and I felt that, you know, there was a gap, if you like, 
in women's economic independence, women and girls. And if we could uh, fill that gap by giving women the skills, the network, the networks, the mentoring that they needed using technology, we could really make a difference and we could reach many women and girls and give them the tools to enable them to redefine their future. And so it would accelerate a process of development, which was already happening, but which you know, was missing out on those particular talents and skills of half the population. And so we set up the foundation in 2008. We've been going 12 years now, and we've reached approximately 170,000, 175,000 women and girls across over a hundred countries because of the um, kinds of services we deliver, which of course, because we use technology, um, it means we can reach out to people who otherwise we wouldn't be able to reach. And this year in the um, pandemic, we found that our, our services, you know, have been even more vital mm. as helped women entrepreneurs uh, work out how to adapt to this damaging virus, both to their health, but even also, of course, to their economies. And so we've been focusing a lot on resilience and, and how to shift to selling online. And, um, you know, we've been very lucky because actually we already had services about that and we were able to adapt them to react very speedily to the sort of things that the women we were working with said they needed. So um, it's partly about my own experience and my own mother and grandmother and partly about what I saw uh, when I was privileged enough to be married to the prime minister. <laughs> of course. And when did you decide, when did you think, okay, this is not just an area I feel passionate about, but this is, um, we, could, we could actually structure this. We could actually set up a foundation and start getting serious about tackling something that I'm passionate about. Well, I think about. it was because, you know, it was an, after 10 years in Downing Street, I had this front row seat on history. It had been an amazing experience. But was this just some something great for me? Or was it something that I could use to really give back? And I felt that as an entrepreneur myself, as a self-employed lawyer, you know, I knew a little bit about what it's like to run your own business. Um, and I... Um, I felt this was a, somewhere where I could contribute and where at the time people were talking not as much about the contribution women can make uh, to development through the economy and, and, and the opportunities there are for women and the terrible waste there is if, um, if women aren't allowed to participate. I mean, waste, obviously, in terms of the impact on the global economy and the, the, the figures are... are uh, phenomenal in, in, in relation to that, um, but also in the, the waste, in the not hearing from the women themselves, mm -hmm. self-respect that you get, um, women's leadership. So, you know, we, want, we very much focus on helping women to find their voices and through the, the, the businesses that they grow and expand and set up. Excellent, excellent. And I was reading on your website, you, you referenced the global economy. I was reading that if women had the same opportunity to be entrepreneurs as men, uh, global GDP could rise by about $5 trillion. 
That is exact. That's, that's absolutely uh, the figure. And the other thing that's been very interesting is that I say there has been more interest in this area. And the World Economic Forum do their global gender gap report. Um, and every year they measure four things, uh, whether there's parity of treatment between women and men across the world in education, health, political engagement and economic engagement. And last year, the last year they, they did it, actually the only one that had slipped back was economic engagement. And, and so the latest statistic is it's going to take 257 years before women and men equally participate in the world economy um obviously different paces in different countries mm -hmm. but overall um that is the position and that's gone back 55 years from the year before so you know when i started when i started in, uh, in the workforce as a young woman in the 1970s i thought you know things were going to improve much quicker than that and it's not acceptable that it's not just in not in my lifetime not in my granddaughter's lifetime because i now have two little granddaughters aged uh, four and six months <laughs> and and actually it's in it's going to be in their their granddaughter's lifetime it, it's not acceptable i'm sure it's not acceptable to you with your seven year old and five year old yeah exactly and we're certainly not going to wait 257 years so it's great that you you're, you're both uh, active and trying to change the reality on the ground uh, helen tell me a little bit about um the the work uh, how you decide which countries you go into i understand again it's low and middle income countries how you operate i i know that the work is uh, there's a range of things from research and advocacy and give us a really great flavor of of how the foundation is operating thanks alberto um yes yeah, so it we focus on low and middle income countries and and really for the reason sheree said that although there is not economic parity in any country to be clear the problem is not solved anywhere um it is um, it is much it's much less solved in lower middle income countries and so we focus our efforts and the resources that donors entrust us with are in lower middle income countries because we are uh, Cherie herself is very passionate about technology and how technology can you be used to remove barriers so the foundation has always use technology so one of our programs is a global online mentoring program where we link women entrepreneurs that could live in any low or middle income country we have women who are uh, running businesses under conflict in yemen we have um women running businesses in very remote locations who are able through that online global program to participate and find a mentor with our support who could be a man or a woman who could live anywhere in the world and they together work for a year to see how they can develop that woman's business and take it to the next level so that's one of our countries and that's one of the reason one of our programs i should say and that's one of the reasons why we have that very wide spread of countries where we work but we also deliver programs in more depth within certain countries um, right now we're running programs in depth in kenya 
in Nigeria, in Mexico, in Indonesia and Vietnam. And we have plans to expand this year. We uh, plan to expand to South Africa and Guyana in the Caribbean. And we have great aspirations to go further uh, in Southeast Asia and Sub-Sahara Africa um, with support. So what we do in those places is we work with local partners. We bring our technical expertise, which is very much about developing women's skills, their networks, their uh, advising them around access to finance, access to markets, and making sure they have the business skills, the financial literacy that they need to be able to grow their business. And we have programs that we run, which I can talk about, and we work with a local partner in a country to run those programs. So we, we bring the technical expertise, we bring the sort of tried and tested products, and the local partner has the local knowledge. We do research with women in the country to understand their needs, and we adapt those programs. So we don't sort of sort of helicopter in and do a program and not understand the context. It's incredibly different everywhere you live. The laws are different. The banks are different. How you register a business is different. The social norms that women face that hold them back are different in different countries. So we take our products and services and adapt them to those countries. A couple of programs, for an example, we have a, a mobile learning app which um, women can download in those countries and it allows them to get bite-sized lessons. The reason why a mobile app is great for a woman entrepreneur is because they tend to be very busy. They're running their families. They're, they're running um, sometimes multiple businesses. So sitting in a classroom is just not really feasible for many women entrepreneurs they need learning that comes to them so we have a mobile app it's called her venture people can read more about that her venture okay her venture and then we have um another program called road to growth which is blended learning so you do a little bit of classroom at the beginning and the end but the rest of the learning comes to you facilitated um but online learning that you can do at your own pace um, so they're the kinds of things that we're running in those countries to really help women entrepreneurs move their businesses to the next level. Fascinating, really fascinating. And so you mentioned the technology side and then briefly you also touched on, on the, the reality that social norms differ drastically in different countries, different continents. And let me ask you, how are you tackling the, uh, the behaviors and attitudes in so many places that maybe aren't... Um, uh, they're not like they are here in the UK. So yeah, that's a that's a massive challenge for any kind of social change. Um, to you know, you have to you have to live with, but also respond to and try and change the environment. So that's why it makes sense for us as an organisation to be gendered focused, to be focused. Mm -hmm on women, firstly, because women have different needs. So our programs are designed for women and understanding what their needs are. So that's everything from they have less time available because they do more unpaid care, which maybe we'll come back to around COVID. Yeah. yeah. Big change there. But also they um they how they the barriers that they face. So when they're going to a bank, what is going to happen when a woman in a particular country goes to a bank and how is she going to be treated? And then how does she 
prepare herself for that. Technically, how does she prepare her books so that she can access a loan? But also, how does she influence? How does she have the confidence to respond to some of the attitudes that she's going to meet, some of the stereotypes she's going to face? So the training uses case studies and examples to help women both prepare technically, which actually many need those skills, actually, and this, with the skills comes confidence, but also looks at those influencing, those leadership skills that you need to work in a what could be a fairly hostile environment. The other thing is what's seen across research in this area is how important things that, that may be taken for granted for many men are uh, networks, business networks, both support networks, people you can go to as sounding boards for advice and guidance, advice and guidance of how you're managing your life as well as your business, but also access to what's happening that will help your business. So those networks are really, really important glue for women and help them overcome those social norms or at least you know, improve their position in light of them. And then the other thing is mentoring. And I'm sure you can speak um, uh, song and verse about the impact of that on her life. I've certainly had the impact of that. And you'll see women leaders everywhere from, you know, um, Kamala Harris, who we saw become the first um, uh, woman vice president, you know, will talk about the impact of mentoring. And these women entrepreneurs that we work with, whatever level they are at currently in terms of their business and society, mentoring will have an impact. Local mm. mentoring, global mentoring, finding someone with a safe space who works with you to develop yourself and, in this case, your business. So I think those things really help. They don't remove them. Patriarchy is a big system to break, but yeah. that's a little, bit of, a little bit of help. That's really great to um, great insight. Well, Cherie, with regards to mentoring, I know it's an area uh, close to your heart. Tell us a little bit about um, how mentoring has uh, impacted you and how you know improving the world can uh, can all be better by by sharing knowledge and having people who've done the journey um, impart some of that wisdom with others. Well, one of the things I feel very strongly about in our mentoring platform is that the mentees are all women. Actually, we have men and women mentors mm -hmm. and I think that's partly because obviously when I first started as a lawyer and I qualified in 1976 only 10% of women and um, people at the bar were women so most of the time I saw men as barristers and uh, I relied on men um, to help me progress in my career and I did find men who were perfectly willing uh, um, to assist a young woman on her, her career. So, um, you know, we certainly, are, we specifically engage with women because of their particular issues, but we certainly are looking for men as well to come and join our mentoring platform and be um, volunteers in that. And the interesting thing uh, about that is that sometimes remote mentoring, doing it over the internet, does enable a man to mentor a woman uh, when he wouldn't be able to do so uh, in reality. And, and a real example of that is way back when we first started uh, and the pilot for the, the mentoring platform in 2010. Mm -hmm. okay. And there, there was a man called Giles who had a small manufacturing company in Birmingham and he mentored um, a young woman in um, Nablus in the Palestinian territories. 
and, and she just graduated with an economics degree and had found uh, she couldn't go anywhere with that because the, the young men were going over to the Gulf states, but a single Muslim woman cannot travel to the Gulf states alone. Uh, but she turned out to be quite good at baking and she saw a market within the university for a traditional food, Palestinian food restaurant, and she wanted to set that up. Um, Giles was able to help her to do that. And he would never have been able to, to talk with her and the sister in person. In fact, the first time they met was when we went over to New York to launch the platform uh, with the help of the uh, UN uh, Development Programme. Um, and that was the first time they actually met uh, face to face. Uh, we follow our mentees, by the way, and in that case, she eventually, after 18 months, did find a job using her economics degree in the Palestinian Authority government. And her mother continues to this day with the business and the, the business is still going. So um, I think that's a, a great uh, story. But one of the reasons I, I love the mentoring program is that when I was um, thinking about these ideas and as I was traveling around, you meet people who don't just want to give money. Mm -hmm. Yes. You know, money is really important, but there are plenty of people, plenty of successful people who want to give back. And the mentoring platform is a very personal way uh, to develop a relationship with somebody uh, across the world. One of our mentees described her mentor as my invisible friend who walks beside me on my journey. The platform also allows you, as mentors and mentees, both to be trained, we train our mentors, um, so that you have a, a, we develop their listening skills uh, and you can participate in the chat rooms and forums and the learning uh, programs that we have as well. And so there's a real community there, I think, which people really um, enjoy. And so I think the, um, uh, you know, I gave you one example, a recent example, for example, and this is why the mentoring platform is so exciting because we have we're in over a hundred countries. Our local partners identify women entrepreneurs for us. And our mentors come from all over too. So uh, one mentee we have, is, she's called Ifioma, and she has a skincare business in Nigeria. It's not, it's not a small, it's a, the women on the, the mentoring platform obviously have to speak English and have to be able to have access to the, to the internet. So they're, they're not the poorest of the poor. Mm -hmm. um, we have other programs for them, but they are women who employ others and who can really stand out as role models and people who can help their country. Um, and her mentor was Suba, and Suba was from India. So this is an example of someone from India helping someone uh, in, in Nigeria. And um, one of the things they did in their year-long mentoring relationship was help Ifoma apply to MasterCard because MasterCard has funding for uh, women in business. And um, at the end of that year, just, just recently, the end of 2020, we got news that actually it had been accepted. Securing the future of her business, she's got the MasterCard funding and she employs and will continue to be able to employ and expand on 100 low-income women. So that's a, a huge um, benefit. And I think over the, the cohort of last year's mentoring uh, platform. I think our average, they each employed two more women in the, in the program. Now, obviously, not all of them did, um, but uh, I love you know, the it, um, 
I love it really the, well. Yeah. I love the cross-cultural angle and how you can have mentors and mentees in different corners of the world, which can, can only be a good thing. Yeah. One of the things we do with our mentoring platform is we previously relied heavily on employers. So we've worked with employers who are interested in different countries and we place their employees. For example, Bank of America, one of our Marshall McClellan, these are big companies who've been long-term sponsors of ours and they like it because it enables their employees across the world all to engage in a volunteering program. Wherever they are, whichever office they're in, um, this is open to them all because it's uh, global. And they like it also because it enables their employees to get an understanding of what it's really like uh, to live and work in some of the countries where perhaps they're transacting business. But this year, we've started a new experiment okay. to allow um, people to actually self-fund um, and to join if you, if, if you want to, uh, because it costs, obviously, to maintain it. It's, we've got a great new, brand new interactive bells and whistles platform. Um, and that costs. And so for Helen, I think it's a little over a thousand pounds. You can actually get trained as a mentor and participate in the program as an individual. And we're looking forward to encouraging people who want to make a donation in that way, in money and in, in time, to donate and give two hours a month, because that's what we ask about approximately, to really get to know and support a woman entrepreneur. Did I, um, did I sum that up well, Helen? <laughs> Absolutely. And, and just to add a couple, I mean, my experience, I've met, as Cherie has, many mentees and mentors. But the impact on the mentor is enormous because you have this, you know, this experience of getting to know someone from a different culture, for having different life experiences, and, and you work together with them. It's very much a partnership to change their life. And that's incredibly satisfying. So the mentor really gets a sort of life-changing experience. And the, the, um, you, it isn't very time-intensive. And it is really difficult for lots of business people, whether they're in companies or whether they work for themselves, to find time to volunteer and to give back. And many people want to do that. But it is difficult to find that time in your life because of other demands. And the, the wonderful thing I think about this program, and there's lots of great volunteer programs out there, but this is extremely flexible because we can match you with someone so that the time zone works for your availability. We match you with someone that it fits with your skills. You know, you've got finance background, work with a woman who needs to work on the finances of her business. And you can make the time work when you're going to meet, when it suits you in your life. So, and as Cherie says, the minimum is two hours a month. Many give more than that, but that's the minimum. So over a year, you have this big impact for, you know, really a few days of work. So I think it's a really powerful um, opportunity, really. Great. And I imagine as the, prog as the program goes on and grows, you may very well have some of those uh, women who were mentees becoming mentors. We have, absolutely. It happens already, actually. So um, that's uh, wonderful. We're very, we're very, we're very uh, pleased with that. And it doesn't just happen for the women coming onto our own platform. Actually, we've discovered that in, informally, eighty percent of the because we, we survey, we do it. We, we I, I should say we don't. We're not a matchmaking agency. We don't just team you up and let you get on with it. We have a, a whole infrastructure of support, help setting goals, we monitor the relationship, and we ask 
and get feedback about what's working and what isn't working. Um, and because of that feedback and we follow up afterwards as well, we know that 80% of the women on the program, the mentees, actually informally are mentors of some kind and 50% of them actually do some kind of formal in-country mentoring as well. So, you know, it is, the, 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 these women are both getting and giving back at the same time. I'm sure quite a few people listening to this might think to themselves, this sounds fascinating. How do I get involved? How do I, where do I go? So you briefly mentioned the app, but give, give me the, the, the names of the app again. And also how do they get in touch with the foundation if somebody's interested in mentoring or seeking possibly uh, to have the wisdom from a mentor? What, what are the steps that somebody needs to take? And bear in mind, they, na they, they may be anywhere on this planet, so. Well, that we, we definitely will welcome that. I mean, our, our foundation website, www.shereeblairfoundation.org, is where you would go first. The mentoring program has, we have different intakes. So we do some training and then we start the relationship. The next um, intake, if you like, the applications for that open on the 8th of March of this year. And the application form is there. Uh, we have algorithms so that we assess people's skills and then we ma and, and the needs and we match them together. So it's, it's quite an uh, intensive process for, from our side. Hopefully we try and make it as easy as possible um, uh, for those who are applying. So if people are interested, this is a good time to, to start looking at what, what we're doing. Helen, do anything else? I think. Um, and also you'll find on the website um, the email addresses, you know, if you're interested in um, uh, getting in touch with one of our teams, it's inquiries at sherryblairfoundation.org. So the email address, if you just have a general question, uh, if you'd like to donate, of course, we'd love that. There's a donate button on the website. But if you're more interested in a, a partnership, a deeper relationship, you want to get to know us, please contact us at inquiries at sherryblairfoundation.org. That's definitely the best way to get in touch with us. Great. And this pretty much, if somebody is interested, um, is there, um, they need to have an internet connection, they need to speak English, and in terms of how advanced or otherwise they are in their actual business venture, they could be at, Seven years idea. plus, we usually ask, seven okay. years plus experience. And the other thing is, um, if some of them actually also speak another language, I mean, the platform is in English. Uh, we have great ambitions and we, you know, to translate that platform into other languages, French, Spanish, Arabic, we need funding for that. But obviously some of our mentees, um, you know, if you do have language skills, um, then, uh, you know, the people in South America who speak English, you know, if you can also speak Spanish, it, it's certainly not a disadvantage. And similarly in, in Africa with the French speaking countries there. Great. And so again, also if there are any philanthropists listening to this, which I have a feeling there might be one or two, maybe worthwhile taking a look at the foundation as well. Sounds fascinating work. Tell me, um, in terms of success for the next 10 years, uh, which dovetails quite nicely with the sustainable development goals for 2030, if we're all having a, a coffee, the three of us, hopefully not under pandemic conditions <laughs> and lockdown, but in a proper cafe, what is it that we'd love to be looking back on and say, wow, this was really great, we succeeded? Yeah, um, I would like to be able to to be able to point to 
a number of women that we've helped. I mean, as you know, we've reached about 175,000, but we have really scaled our impact in the last couple of years um, where we've gone from reaching a few thousand a year to reaching, you know, 20, 30,000 a year. So I'd love to be able to reach more people. So ambitious in terms of scale, but also there's some things we really want to help tackle. One of them is these stereotypes that you sort of alluded to earlier, Alberto, and we'd really love to have an impact on the stereotypes that women face and challenge them because when you meet these women entrepreneurs that we work with, they are changing the world. They are incredible. They're skilled. They're knowledgeable. They're, they're creating amazing, innovative businesses, and I think the world needs to, to um, notice that, and I, uh, we'd love to be part of making sure that happens in the next 10 years great that sounds well here's to here's to your success on on that front and um sherry what would the, what would be that key takeaway that you'd love for our audience to keep in mind after they finish listening to today's episode look the world is not going to succeed we're not going to get over this pandemic we're not going to re reach the sustainable development goals if we ignore 50 percent of the population that are women and women have so much to offer. This is the time I'm determined when women's voices will be heard, women's contribution will be acknowledged. And to make that happen, uh, we need to ensure that women have the skills, uh, the confidence, the networks to enable them to define their futures. That's what it's about. That's why last year we, we set up our 100,000 women campaign it was a campaign we launched in Davos. We had programs all developed and of course the, the uh, pandemic came. Luckily we were able to um, pivot onto the inter internet, but we obviously have ambitions this year uh, to do some in-person events to highlight that. And the plan is we want to raise 10 million over the next three years, we're in year two now, to reach 100,000 more women uh, and really show the world what women can do excellent excellent well again much much great luck to 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 both of you as you're driving forward this uh this venture this philanthropic venture uh, you've been listening to uh to the wonderful sherry blair of the sherry blair foundation for women and the foundation ceo helen mckitchen it sincerely has been a pleasure speaking with both of you, learning from you and, uh, and helping spread the word a little bit about your, your wonderful work. And to our listeners, thank you as ever for tuning in, for following and for sharing. Uh, Sherry, Helen, really, thank you. Such an enjoyable uh, way to spend uh, this morning. It's our pleasure and I'm really grateful to those of you who take the trouble uh, to listen to us. And uh... Thanks so much, Alberta. Thank you for listening to the Do One Better podcast. If you want to find out more about our show, about our guests, additional links and resources, visit our website at liji.org. That's L-I-D-J-I dot org. And don't forget, success at the Do One Better podcast is about inspiring you to be more philanthropic, to think more about sustainability, and to embrace social entrepreneurship. Hopefully, these stories will encourage you to take action and change the world around you for the better.